In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello, 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 everybody. Ryan Roxy here, and welcome to another edition of In the Trenches podcast, uh, a live stream edition. And this one is uh, coming to you very specially from uh, Sweden and Finland. Uh, you could say Scandinavia edition today because for the first time in the In the Trenches history, we have a repeat guest, a part two. We talk about it a lot, about bringing people back for a part two, but guess what? Our episode last time with this man was so interesting, so engaging that we felt compelled to give you a part two. And I think you guys are excited about it. Just staring at the chat board right now, it's on fire with a lot of uh, supporters and fans that are very excited to do this part two. And who is this part two with? Well, folks, before I say that, I'll say welcome to the show. Make sure if this is your first time listening, just hit that subscribe button and uh, tell a friend and get everybody excited because we're just still waiting to get everybody into the uh, chat right now. I know when we start right on time, it takes some people a little bit of time to uh, get on their phones and get uh, pull their car over and whatever, but it uh, looks like we have a pretty good crowd right now and uh, couldn't be a better day to do it. So this is our part two uh, in the trenches episode with none other you know the legend. Today you're going to get to meet the person in depth, Mr. Michael Monroe. Welcome. Well, hey, hello. Thank you. How are you doing? Rockstar. <laughs> <laughs> Great to have you back, man. Great to have Thank you back. You. Great to be back. Great to be back. It was so much fun last time. We couldn't just leave it at that. And uh, first time you're having uh, part two, right? Yeah, I, I felt the last time we, we, we bridged upon so many things and you were uh, really forthcoming with your answers that and the audience, there it is, you're getting accolades right now on the chat. If you're, if you're just listening wow. to this on, uh, if you're listening you. to this on uh, StreamYard, if StreamYard or if you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts or you're listening to it on regular Stitcher or Spotify, get on over to YouTube and check it out and uh, you need to see Michael Monroe in the flesh. There it is. You got a lot of people <laughs> Uh, a lot of Michael Monroe fans in uh, the audience, in the chat room. So last time you really were honest, engaging with all your answers. We got through a lot of stuff, but there was a lot of stuff to get done through. So, I mean, right off the bat, where did you want to kick it off with? I mean, because there's for me, it's always about, uh, we were talking about the one man gang. And this is the newest yeah. single, the newest album, the newest uh, sort of venture of Michael Monroe, because you do have a really killer band together. Uh, we want to talk a little yes. bit about the lyrics of One Man Gang, and uh, let's let's yeah. kick it off from there. Let's kick it off from yeah, there. Yeah, kick it off from there, apart from the fact that uh, your your trench uh, trenches always reminds me of the Hunter S. Thompson quote, the music business is a cruel and shallow money trench, <laughs> a long plastic hallway where thieves and pimps run free and good men die like dogs. There's also a negative side. I love that quote. <laughs> now, wait, did you just drop some Hunter S. Thompson on In the Trenches? That could be the first yes, time. Yes, I did. Wow. Yes, I did. And I must say happy birthday to Ian Hunter's birthday. Hunter, talking about Ian Hunter. His birthday was on the third, and right. he's still around, and he's one of the greatest artists and songwriters of all time. To me, he's bigger than Bob Dylan. So, anyways, but yeah, Hunter S. Thompson. About time somebody talked about him on your show, right? There you go. I, I, you know what? I'll if one you up know, you. I'll one up you with it with a little bit of a reference there because you were just mentioning birthdays. Hunter S. Thompson. Uh, happy birthday goes out to Johnny Depp today. Didn't uh, wasn't uh, the Vegas that whole happy thing about? Happy birthday, Johnny Depp too. Uh, he's a wonderful guy, a sweetheart. Uh, 
He, uh, I was talking to Ian Hunter the other day, and he, uh, he said he'd been hanging out with Jeff Beck and, uh, and Johnny Depp in London some time ago, and they'd be, they had a great time slagging everybody off. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jeff Beck but, would yeah, never yeah, do Johnny that. Johnny Depp right? is a sweetheart. It was, it was at the Hollywood Vampire Show in Helsinki a couple of years ago, and it was the day after his birthday, that show was. And then also I had this DVD I gave to Joe Perry uh, for, of uh, me playing the sax with Aerosmith on, on, uh, in 1991 uh, at the Hard Rock Cafe in New York uh, when Steven Tyler asked me to play sax on uh, the Big Ten Inch record. I had that song they gave me on VHS and I had transferred it onto DVD and I, gave, I never sold it to anybody, but I gave it to Joe Perry. It was like almost, it was to the day, uh, was it 26 years or whatever, wow. they, it was 1991, so it was that day, day after Johnny Depp's birthday that we did that show, and it was, it was great, so I could, because uh, uh, I have that, I'm glad they gave me that uh, VHS copy, because, uh, you know, I, and I've never shown, I never posted it anywhere, I just have it myself, so unfortunately can't show it to you. Now, uh, Joe Perry and his manager has it, and I have it. Not really? Those are the only two <laughs> copies. The only two copies. I know. You, you show it to me, and then it's going to get out, and then we're going to get banned. Last time we got, we wanted to play some... I'll show uh, it to you in person. I, will, I can show it to you in person when we meet next all time. Right, all right. <laughs> that sounds, that's a yeah. fair enough deal. Anyway, yeah. So go ahead. Yeah. So music business. Uh, <laughs> I must say, gotta say, you got... Didn't I say the quote last time? There was a hair metal. Before we get into one man again, talk about the hair metal. Uh, I get blamed for uh, there was a book about the hair metal, which had all these ridiculous looking bands. And they had a picture of me with not such a big hair saying a quote that I said in a convention in New York where uh, uh, they asked me about it was about. Oh, yeah. The, the, the panel was about sex and I hated it. I wasn't going to go in it. But little Steven said, go ahead, go ahead and go ahead and tell him that uh, you better like sex uh, if you get into the music business because you're going to get fucked a lot. Ah, and I meant, uh-huh, yeah. Metaphorically, me- metaphorically speaking, so uh, that was in that hair metal book, and uh, in the beginning of the book, that's, that quote was from me. But and I hope people understand. And I was not talking about. I was. It was me- a metaphor. <laughs> metaphorically, you're gonna get fucked by the business, of course. You know, I'll that's bet what you. Talking about. Another one of the bands that was in that uh, in that book that you were talking about was a band, perhaps that the producer that you were mentioning to me right before we started the podcast produced, right? And uh, I yes, would, and he actually was he gave you thanks. And the producer in question in the pu- producer, no, he, he came to actually uh, Rick Browdy who yes. produced the first album. He came first Poison album, right? Me. I didn't know what Poison, yeah, yeah. The Poison album. Uh, uh, you have no idea how many people, have, you know, came up to me in uh, some some years in the eighties saying, "Are you from Poison?" Some kid come up to me, "Are you?" I said, "I'll give you some Poison, my brat." But <laughs> how they wouldn't know any different? But see, to me, phony phony rock and roll is a crime. Uh, I get into that in a minute. But the guy came up to me and says, "Michael Monroe, right?" I was at the Ritz, the old Ritz on Eleventh Street. Remember in New York? Oh yeah, great place. I was at the Mason Ruffner show. This great guitar player from New Orleans, Mason Ruffner. I don't know, nobody probably knows him. He was signed to CBS at the time. I went to see his show and a guy comes up to me and says, Michael Monroe, right? I wanted to apologize to you about poison. I said, what? Put something in my drink? <laughs> and he says, no, the band that we, when you guys, drummer died and you you broke up, we took your thing and we made millions, sold millions of records. He says, oh, really? Is that what you were trying to do? Hey, man, don't worry about it. You missed the point completely. You didn't even come close. My sleep is untroubled. My sleep is untroubled. I wish you the same. Thank you. Wow. And, you know, he's a cool guy, actually. Uh, Rick Browdy, we played in a, a L.A. Whiskey some years ago. I told a story to somebody backstage, and somebody said, hey, 
he saw Rick Browdy at some party and he had just told the same story and he thought my answer was so cool that he had to tell the story. <laughs> no, it, it was a great, it's a great answer to a question because it's not a slag. It is actually sincere, but it is, yeah. it, when you think about it a second, it's kind of like, huh. It's like, it's like that thing when people tell you, uh, I think you you were the one that mentioned uh, you mentioned it that Wagner said it when someone's slagging off someone slagging off somebody in oh, the no, studio. Not Wagner, Michael Frandelli, okay. Michael Frandelli, who produced the Not Faking It album, who, who was the engineer for Billy Idol's uh, Rebel Yell album. Uh, he said whenever anybody was slagging anybody off in the studio, said, "Oh, he sucks, doesn't he?" Uh, he would turn around and say, "Well, he speaks very highly of you." <laughs> And that would shut everyone <laughs> like You don't know how like, many times oh, really? I've used that since we did part one of this in the trenches uh, interview. I've, I've used, I use that along all the time with my team. I think I use it daily with my producer. Nah, he's always right. talking good about. He's always talking about good about everybody. To be honest with but you, yeah. But I mean, you know, when you slag somebody off, it makes you feel like shit. Anyways, it's much <laughs> nicer to speak highly of someone. I mean, what was it? Uh, malicious talk indicates weak cause. It's just a for- fortune cookie, Confucius or something. But and also, uh, what was that? Kind words today. can be short and and easy to speak, but their echoes are truly endless. Says Mother Theresa. <laughs> so wait a second. Have we had Hunter S. Thompson and Mother Teresa in the same like ten minute span? I mean, I'm just going to just, yes. I'm going to bring you on just to do uh, quotes from now on. This is good, man. I love it. It is great. Yeah, fun let's do another quote. When, when, okay. you, when, you st- when you stop and think about it, common sense is, uh, is, not, is really not special. Uh, uh, common sense. Um, when you stop and think about it, common sense is really special, not common. There you go. That's one. Who's that? Expert is by, and that's um, uh, somebody called Bob Piercy is in Danville, Indiana uh, Gazette. Is that a magazine? Mm. I had a, and then expert advice is great comfort, even when it's wrong. So it's talking about some country's president, you know. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And may you have an, an old Eskimo proverb. May you have warmth in your igloo, oil in your lamp, and peace in your heart. <laughs> How about that? Well, you were talking earlier about the, you were talking about lyrics and quotes and all these yes. quotes you're just rattling off right now are awesome. But the lyrics to mm-hmm. One Man Gang also is very important, and that has something to do. And you were talking to me about you know politics. Even though you're not a, a, a completely political guy, you do get your point across from time to time, and yeah, I think I that mean, happened. The truth. It's about telling the truth in your lyrics and. Uh, uh, raising questions, there's no answers. As always, you can raise questions and make people uh, think about something maybe that they haven't thought of before, and uh, you know, uh, spread uh, you know uh, the the uh, um, sort of awareness of of things that you don't have to sh- shut off your brain to to have fun and have to be ent- to entertain. Politics and rock don't mix. See, politicians are only act on based on self interest. They're only acting, you know, in a, in their selfish ways and uh, e- egotistically, and therefore nothing ever changes. That's why the world is as fucked up as it is. Uh, but musicians can really make a difference, and I think in songs, lyrics, you can you know say things that also it's good therapy, letting it all out too. You know, telling the truth and telling why you feel about stuff. And you know, I'm not afraid of you know. Nobody can take away from me what I have, and I, I'm, you know, I don't care what you think, you know, I don't give a shit if you don't like me, like it says in one of our songs too. You know, <laughs> uh, the uh, uh, one I was talking about last time, the pitfalls of being an outsider. But uh, right. one man gang, we're apparently last time we played videos 
was uh, it screwed up the internet? I mean, the picture, right? Was that there was a problem um, with what that? happened? But, was hey, yeah, we and we got a little bit banned in because we're showing too much of the clip and stuff. So I we I kind of wanted to break down the lyrics and get a little bit into the lyrics instead of showing yeah. the actual video. So because I think it's yeah, much more cool. important to take your perspective from it, right? Let's do that now. Like in One Man Gang, uh, there's a lot. One of my favorite lines is the uh, in the song One Man Gang, the title track. Thank you. That's the cover of the album. Yep. Uh, I ain't walking on water, but I know a trick or two. That's like Jesus walked on water. Uh, I don't know how to do that, but I got a couple of tricks up my sleeve, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and uh, everybody in the heart of the city, to the from the heart of the city to the out of the way, everybody's pissing on their own parade. Everybody's pissing on their own parade is about how people vote for for Trump and and Brexit and stuff like that, and then they complain how everything's all screwed up. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. what that's about. And you know, the lyrics are just as important as the music, I think, to me. Music has to have melody, but, you know, lyrics, uh, to me, is they've always been very important. And I was just, uh, I was asked to do, I do some shows acoustically and stuff. Somebody asked me to do Man With No Eyes. I was like, Jesus, that's a hard one to do a lot, uh, acoustically. I'm doing a show, a gig uh, on Saturday when I'm playing that. But there's a the second verse, is, uh, we got famine while you feast we got new kinds of disease and it's so hard to make ends meet in the belly of the beast just when you think you got it made you get caught in the net i didn't even know about the internet didn't exist then so how did i know there was going to be an internet you get caught in the internet <laughs> so Nostradamus. A a, i must be a bit of a prophet then eh? hey <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no but uh, uh but yeah that's uh, the lyrics have been excruciating i mean especially when i started my solo career Inspired by Steve Bader's "The Dead Boys, The Lost of the New Church," especially "Open Your Eyes," that song. I right. mean, those lyrics are. What was like the quotes the, from Steve? What were some quotes from Steve that made you say that made you say, "Hey, this guy's special. This is guy that I kind of really looking up to and want to follow in those, those footsteps." I, well, you know, no compromise, no regrets, but uh, say, well, hang on, let me see. Hold on one second. <laughs> You're gonna get your phone, okay? So there it is. Uh, uh, Michael's going to get just, something special. I was going to sing uh, the Lords of the New Church. We're going to have a reunion at the Viva La Rock Awards that was that were canceled, uh, that were postponed till uh, next November. I think it's November 18th. And uh, I was going to be doing Steve Bader. Uh, you playing the you role know, Steve of Steve Bader's? Uh, yeah. This, I was going to do be the singer. Yeah. yeah. W- that, was it going to be show. Rat Scabies and, as well? Uh, Rat Scabies? No, that, that's the Damned. Damn, sorry, sorry, Brian, sorry. Brian, Damn, you know, but, yeah, but, but it's, uh, it's not far because Brian James, the guitar player of Lords of New Church, was the Damned's original guitar player, and he wrote the first Damned album, which has the first ever punk song, New Rose, which was covered by Guns N' Roses on the Spaghetti Incident. And Brian, uh, Brian Jane, James was going to have a Lifetime Achievement Award or a Pioneer Award at the, at the Viva La Rock thing, and we were going to do a set of uh, Lords of New Church songs and uh, uh, and a few of the damned first album, New Rose, and a couple of other ones. And uh, therefore, and open your eyes was this song by Lots of New Church, which had check these lyrics out: video game, video games train the kids for war, armies shaking high fashion stores, law and orders done their job, Fa- prisons filled while the rich still rob, assassination politics, violence rules within our nation's midst. Well, ignorance is their power tool. You only know what they want you to know. The television cannot lie. Controlling media with smokescreen eyes. Nuclear politicians, pictures show. The acting's lousy when the blind don't know. Open your eyes, see the lies right in front of you. Open your eyes. They scare us all with threats of war. So we forget just how bad things are. You taste the fear when you're all alone. 
they're going to get you when you're on your own. The silence of conspiracy, slaughtered on the altar of apathy, you got to wake up from your sleep, because meek inherits earth six feet deep. Open your eyes, see the lies running. Damn. Damn. Fucking genius. Hey? And, and, and you're trying to tell me that that song, yeah, you're trying to tell me that song wasn't written in 2020, right? It, that was written in 1982. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. How things. Baders, I got to tell you, he's, he was something else. He was he's the unsung hero of rock and roll that nobody knows much about, that uh, enough about, because he was Russian Roulette, an amazing song. That's, that, that was on the first album, too. And uh, New Church, that was the song New Church, you know, that was like a wear the uniform of your gang. I was. Uh, uh, when the heroes have all died away, priests and politicians have all lied away now. Actors, after all, were, were only acting. Church killed knowledge, took the world to slave, joined the new church. You gotta walk it, man, just like you talk it. Wear the uniform of your gang. Purpose in life is just for living. Dream, merchants, fantasy, surreal, surreal. Divide and conquer. That's their game. There's Trump for you. Divide and conquer, right? <laughs> That's see. the game. That's their game. Beneath the hair and clothes, we're really all the same. They threaten our lives with nuclear war. Gonna crucify us just once more. Join the new, new church. Be a lord of the new church. Hey, truth can be can't be found on television. On the television, throw away youth. You got to take a stand. Music is your only weapon. Spanners in the worst. Go start your gang. <laughs> if you have, if, if you're just tuning in I right hear. now, hold on. If you're One just man gang. holy shit, <laughs> hold on, gang. hold on, Michael. Take a breath. Let me get my words in right now. If you're just tuning in right now, thank you for joining up on a live stream edition. We are definitely having some spoken word with Michael Monroe. It's part two. I told you this wasn't just going to be. Your your uh, regular normal, hey, you know, great, we've seen all what, everything you've done, let's go th- walk through the history. No, you're going to get to know the guy and obviously get to know a little bit of Stiv Baders too. I have never heard that many lyrics of Stiv Baders and now it makes me want to go on and dive down that rabbit hole as well. Check out the first, the first especially the first album, Lots of a New Church first album. It says the truth is the sword of us all. And they had that, the dagger that actually... You know, later on, you know, remember lip service that guy drew? Yes, drew lip from service lip service. clothing. Yeah. They had that logo that was actually the Lost of a New Church album had that in the back of the album. Hang on, let me just one second. You got it? All right. Well, I remember right. just sort of a side note tale. Uh, give me full screen, Vic. Um, I was, uh, had the band Electric Angels. We actually used a uh, knife. Our original logo was the a knife going through the the planet earth and uh there's michael's back but um so that that original logo that we had that knife going through the world that was electric angels first thing we took we sort of borrowed it we we paid homage to it from an old episode of star trek it's called opposite world or the uh, opposite oh yeah 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 but but it was that sort of knife and uh there you go and i asked I asked Steve, uh, don't you mind that uh, that guy's ripped off your uh, your logo? He says, no, it does. it's good promotion. So <laughs> he's got a bunch of stuff. So I got this is a lip service, actually. This is a lip service lip service vest. I was going to wear this at the show, uh, at the Lords of New Church you will, show. You will. <laughs> it, it just got postponed. It, it's coming back, though. And, you know, yeah, your, your, then, rock and roll, yeah. your rock and roll knowledge saved me on my uh, faux pas of rat scabies. I love it. Uh, you know, well, Raskabies is. I love you know. Uh, he's he has some classic lines. He we we auditioned Raskabies for Demolition Twenty Three when we started the band. I was uh, with me and little Steve, and Steve was helping me out. What happened was me and Sammy Sammy Alpha had on bass in New York. Right. We were doing this, and uh, before we got Jay Henning on guitar, we had. Uh, we were trying out drummers, and I was talking to Rat Scabies. I want to set the stage uh, I, first. I want to set yeah. the stage for this, for because this is a great segue. I mean, I I still would just I love going off on you know whatever tangent we end up going on to because anything you say is is 
you know, gets really interesting really quick because you're passionate about it. But yes. we said last on the on part one, we sort of I, I opened up a little bit of can of worms with Jerusalem Slim. But then I quickly we tried to close it. And I said, even before I said on, on part two, we're going to sort of move from what happened after Jerusalem Slim. You started yeah. this project called Demolition 23. So that's okay, where I want to take from. Please, OK, if I can do that in uh, in the right sequence sequence and uh, after uh, do whatever I'll, sequence I'll, you I'll want. I'll get into that if, I'm, if you allow me to tell this. <laughs> you First got of it. all, to finish my wear the uniform of your gang, like Steve said in the Lords of a New Church okay. with that logo. I had these printed for my band. All of us guys, the last tour, the one man gang for the album, we had these colors. There and, it is. Uh, and uh, my friend who makes my clothes, he actually, the or- original one was this. This is leather, it's handmade. All this detail, check it out. Wow. This, all the teeth and everything is, is sewn by hand. And this by, uh, is this for leather. band members? Is this for band members only, or can the street team get it, or can the Michael Monroe fans get it as well? So or- far, so far, nobody else has it except my band. But this, nobody has. This is my own leather one. This is the one I wear on the album cover. But these are these I had made for my my band. <laughs> these these, uh, these are embroidered. Uh, but uh, my idea for the tour for the next summer tour would have been that the fans could buy a T-shirt with this on the back. Uh, and this I still would like to do. But now that everything's changed, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Change. But next that year. was the uniform of my, uh, of my gang. And uh, the thing <laughs> is, uh, as everything, with Ravat Scabies, uh, well, let me just say this. Everything got canceled. We were going to be opening up on a, a couple of weeks ago, actually <laughs> one and a half weeks ago, on May 29th. We, we would have opened up for Guns N' Roses in London and on May 26th in, in Munich. And wow. uh, okay. those okay. got postponed for a year now, and uh, everything's. It. Uh, it, it's. I mean, you know, yeah. it's. Uh, it's a shame. But I was just emailing, back, uh, exchanging emails with Slash uh, last week, and uh, <laughs> it was really cool because he said we'll try to keep everything intact for uh, you know when we reconvene. Great. A year, year from now, but uh, he said, uh, all things considered. You put out one of the best rock and roll records of last year, so right. there's that. <laughs> yeah, that was well, actually Slash. That, that was Slash's so favorite. I mean, he still uses those words. All things considered, that's that's one of his best quotes. You know, so. Oh really? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He would always say that. So, with Ratscabe, no. So what happened? Um, maybe well, Ratscabe uh, when he was <laughs> he, he came to audition for the Demolition Twenty Three album, which uh, which we'll get to how we got to that. After the Jerusalem Sim, uh, little little Stephen produced. As we were putting this band together, Ratscabies. I was on the phone before we even got Jamie Clark on drums. I, I was right. on the phone with Ratscabies and uh, actually checking out the lyrics for the love song, the Dams love song, which is which are really great. He wrote them when he was on the train, and uh, it's really really smart. So he says, "So what, how are you doing, Precious?" He called me Precious because <laughs> I had this badge that says I used to have this badge that says "Fuck off, I'm too precious." I'm too precious. Fuck off. I must love so he, you. I guess he, he yeah he, yeah he, he loves me. I love him. Uh, and so he said, he, he can't, he says, oh, I said, well, well, what we're doing, and we're putting together a band and we're just looking for a drummer now. He says, I'll be over tomorrow, mate. So <laughs> he got on an Air India flight and I, I called Sammy. I said, hey, Scabies is coming over. He wants to, you know, to try, let's try him as a drummer. And little Steven was really into the punk thing then, you know, because I turned, I took him to see, I took Steven to see Iggy Pop for the first time. And I, I bought him the uh, great rock and roll swindle, uh, uh, the movie, uh, um, uh, the Sex Pistols movie yes. uh, on VHS for for Christmas once, and uh, he was like he loved it and really uh, got into the punk thing. And he uh, he thought, you know, I said, Brad Scabie is a punk rock, punk rock legend, man. He says, okay, cool. So let's play him a little bit of the damned, like 
machine gun etiquette and skate is all over the place like like oh yeah he's coming over yeah he's on on the plane right now okay but it was because Gabe is to me he would he would have been my first choice for Hanoi Rocks when Russell died but he to me it's like he's more to play with the damned you know right so right. he's like Keith Moon he's the right. Keith Moon of uh, the punk wave so so he came and we had a great time for a week he he slept on Sammy's couch for 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 a couple of weeks and we 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 played I I still have two audio cassettes. Of me on vocals uh, and harp, little Steven on guitar, Sammy Affa on bass, and Ratskabis on drums, playing a whole bunch of Stooges and all punk stuff and MC5 and jamming, you know, at, at this rehearsal place in New York. And uh, after about a week, Scabies said to himself, says, All right, this has been great fun, but let's face it, we're not going to end up in a band together. <laughs> so, but then he stayed in Sammy's house. He stayed at Sammy, it was like a month or two, he stayed at Sammy's, <laughs> sleeping on his couch. I remember I was going, he was like, that sounds anybody. exactly that sounds exactly like Keith Moon because did you ever hear the story about how Keith Moon was the house guest that wouldn't leave with Alice Cooper back in the 70s uh, uh, Pete uh, Keith Moon came to visit uh, Alice and he said he's just going to stay out and his you know he'd just stay over one night and like three nights later he's still in the pool room in the pool house <laughs> and he wouldn't leave <laughs> yeah it's great it's like Sammy was Scabius would get up in the morning he said, oh, yeah, what were you doing today? And I would go there one morning. He was blasting the Slade Alive. The first Slade Alive was like blasting out there. And he was like, I'll, his cl- classic line, I love the best one. He had was like, I'll call anybody's punk off. <laughs> and then he's, uh, and he said, if Dave Vanian isn't the original goth, then I don't know who he is. <laughs> well, Dave Vanian, he is actually the original goth. Dave Vanian and Susie and the Banshees, Susie, those two originated the punk, the, the goth, the goth look, actually, seriously. Dave has got su- he had such cool style always, and I uh, still those guys are great. They were in uh, last summer in, in Japan. I ended up jamming. Uh, I got up on stage to sing with them. With uh, Captain Sensible invited me up to uh, sing Jet Boy Jet Girl. But anyways, nice. that's a great Alice story you just told me. <laughs> well, let me ask you this because I do love this sort of people passing on the torch of rock. I always talk about passing the torch of rock and roll to the next generation. Yeah. Would you say if there's no Dave? Vanian, there's no, perhaps if there wasn't Dave Vanian, there's no Ian Asbury, in a sense. Does that... Uh, who, oh, Ian Asbury. Oh, that guy, the, the cult, you mean? Yeah, a little bit like... Yeah, um, well, I don't know. Uh, is he really a goth? I mean, they were originally... Started out they were kind a little of bit. They, I mean, the cult were called the love cult. Uh, what were they called originally? Something the love else. Cult. The Southern Death Cult. Southern, yes. Southern Death Cult. And they were, they were different. And then they changed the style. They had... All of a sudden, they sounded like ACDC and Rolling Stones on the electric so, album, right? That that was that must yeah, have so been was, a weird I was thing kind for of you. Confused. Yeah, I, I wasn't like I don't trust bands that change it. Like the Sweet, I love them. I, the second band I saw live, they were great. The Sweet Fanny Adams, 1973. I saw them after I seen Slade, and they were fantastic. But before then, they had like Bubblegum Pop, Papa Joe, and all that. So I was kind of like, yeah. why uh, this uh, change of style? But I don't know. Ian Asbury, I actually met him once. I remember he was at the Limelight okay. in, the, in the library. New York and, City. And, New he's, York City limelight. Yeah, because he said, "Is he Michael Monroe?" A lot of people tell me that we look alike, and I was like, "Must be the hair," because <laughs> he had straight black hair. And I, said, I don't think we have anything in common, man. We go makeup. We're, you know, we wear makeup. Then maybe that's it. But uh, you have the best comebacks, anyway. but, Michael. And, uh, I'm telling you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call you I mean, for all my comebacks. For sure, I think uh, Dave Vanian. Dave Vanian, for sure. If, if you look at the Phantasmagoria cover. I mean, that's like the hair, the, the stripe in the hair and the right. look. He was the vampire. And, and they took him to sing. I heard the story about the damned. 
when they got him to sing, he was he was a grave digger. He was he was riding around in a hearse in in uh, in London and lived in a basement flat with the curtains drawn. He was like a vampire, and they they he said, "You it. look like a singer. You should be our singer." Even though he never <laughs> was a singer, never sung. And I I love his styles. It's really cool. But I uh, yeah, uh, so, I think they everybody influenced everybody, and you know we took a lot of every from Little Richard to uh, he was the first glam. He was talking about glamorous makeup and everything. Little Richard is the originator in every sense of the word. Well, and you told me that even before that, you told me the story about Miles Davis. Miles Davis wouldn't ask how he played, right? How he looked, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because a, a friend of mine, actually Sammy Alpha made these T-shirts in Stockholm back in the day after Hanoi uh, that uh, he's, this guy, a friend of ours called Yamlo, he started making these, you know, cool T-shirts, uh, black and white with uh, John Coltrane and all these, you know, uh, and Miles Davis. And Miles saw his T-shirt and uh, he wanted to, uh, yeah, I invited him to meet him, and you know, Yamlo was kind of like, "What is he gonna do?" And he was like, "Okay, uh, twenty eighty. Yes. <laughs> oh no, no, he says sixty forty. Okay, all right." But uh, he came out, and when whenever Miles came to play, I already Miles was in uh, the Sun City Project. Also, I'm on the same record with him, yeah. so singing back in vocals where he played the trumpet on that um, as little Steven Sun City Project. Miles was. Uh, uh, so every time he played in New York, my friend Yamlo would call me, hey, how you doing? We're playing a show at, uh, you know, whatever club he was playing. I always got to go there and go backstage. And uh, Miles was, uh, it was great. He was always talking like, South Africa makes me sick. Can't do nothing. Can't even play. <laughs> it was like, it was, it was so cool, man. And then one night, it was, it was, I mean, that was those days he played. I saw him in London with, uh, once I saw him with B.B. King, double headlining, and he was playing with his back to the audience. He was really, you know, like he was quite bitter and, or, you know, cynical and stuff and for many reasons. But Miles was, uh, uh, then that time, he was very open and he smiled to the audience. He had these cool red horns and stuff, his cool suits. And he nice. came off stage one night and he said to his right-hand man, he says, so how was I? And this, the guy said, oh, you played great tonight. You were fantastic. No, I didn't mean how did I play? How did I look? <laughs> of course, like, like, of course I play like a genius, you know? How did I look? My, my new horn, my, my new uh, outfit, you know? Love it. So that's what it was about. But uh, to uh, uh, to get back into... Uh, uh, Demolition 23. Funny, yeah, well, you, unless you have another, another one. Funny story, <laughs> another funny story about Miles Davis. He was like, my, my, my late wife, Jude Wilder, was... Uh, um, uh, you know, Hanoi's a product manager at CBS, and uh, she, she heard a story. It was Miles Davis was signed to CBS back in the day, and he would, there was only one white guy, one guy he would talk to, you know, white, of course. Uh, he, he And it was his contact to the label, and the guy went to visit him at his house. So Miles, he was at Miles' house, and Miles said, I'll be right back in the afternoon. He just took off, left him there. It was like sometime in the morning. Left him, locked him up in his, in his house, and the guy was stuck there for the whole day, Till like late at night, <laughs> stuck in Miles's house. And Miles comes back. Oh yeah, hi. How you doing? Like nothing had happened. He just locked him up in his house, in his apartment. It was right. amazing. It was like, <laughs> wow. So, so you know, of course, uh, you know, he was a funny character. Uh, Miles Davis, Better Davis. Uh, let's not even go there. Better Davis, one of the most amazing, most amazing funk. Uh, you, you know Better Davis, right? No, tell me more about her. No, I don't know about. No, no, her. It's a her. It's a woman. Woman. I thought thought you were talking about Betty Davis with the the actress. So I I was completely. No, no, Betty, B E T T E Davis. She was married to Miles Davis for for some time, and then they got divorced. But she made these three great records: funk, the. uh, there was a great documentary of her too on TV some time ago. Educate us all. Educate us. F U N K. Check this song. F U N K. Funk. (laughs) 
Check that, a nasty girl. Ain't nothing but a nasty girl. There's, you got, that's some funk for you, man. If you don't know that, you got to check out Betsy Davies. The funk, he, she's, she made some killer stuff. And she was, I think uh, somebody said, it was Miles Davies who said that she, she was Madonna before Madonna and Prince before Prince and all that. And yeah. she was incredible. But she, she kind of. Obviously, I think it was, Prince might have gotten some sort of nasty girl. He might have gotten Vanity Six's single from that, right? Nasty check girl. Out, check out, check out Betty Davies. Everybody should check out Betty Davies. Those records, the Nasty Girl, the records, and and you know, just Google F U N K Funk. That <laughs> is already there. It's a great one. Uh, so for sure, has influenced everybody. But she disappeared off the scene. Her her father was very important to her, and then her father when her father passed away. I think after that, she she passed off, uh, after, after her father passed on. She uh, uh, disappeared from the scene and kind of uh, is keeping to herself. She's still alive. As far as I know, but she's not in a public eye. Uh, check out, there's a documentary that I saw on TV they showed in Finland on the uh, YLE Tema channel, which they show a lot of cool stuff there. Check it out. It's got it's to be on the internet somewhere. Mm. So, uh, But if we get back into my career, then uh, Demolition 23, right? <laughs> hold now, on. Oh, just, as- just hold on one. Just hold a thought for a second, Michael, because I think you're breaking the internet. I think we're going to oh. almost break the internet because, you know, folks, the, for those of you listening, we're going to give it a chance to let Michael's uh, Wi-Fi catch up to him because he's speaking at the speed of light, and I love it because the knowledge that he drops, the stories that he drops are always so entertaining. I don't want to say there's going to be a part three, but you know what? We're really campaigning for one at this point. But hold on, folks. If you are just joining in on uh, Live in the Trenches podcast, you got us here on uh, Facebook Live as well as YouTube Live. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. We are we are here with Michael Monroe, and he is uh, telling us a lot of great stories educational stuff plus some music and i t- we talked earlier that perhaps he'd have his piano there and uh you messing like with lights, the lights right? <laughs> oh my god what's he else is he doing all right this is awesome i got the producer you in the background the producer in the background vic is is going crazy he's going thumbs up on the piano michael can we have a little bit of a musical break right now please entertain okay, us So in that, did you know on the record yep. when there's that explosion? You know how they made the the explosion. Why would I know? I only play in the band for over 23 years. You're going to tell me what? What? How do they do that? <laughs> well, I read it in Michael Bruce's book. When Michael Bruce, Michael Bruce had a uh, a book, No More Mr. Nice Guy was called. He told the story that they had a uh, fizzy, like a like an Alka Seltzer 
that they dropped in a glass of water and recorded that and then slowed down the tape. So it was like... That's a cool Bob Ezrin. It sounds like a cool Bob Ezrin uh, studio trick, right? Yes, absolutely. And then uh, the, he, he reveals a lot of cool stuff like uh, uh, like with the uh, the thing that uh, when, when in Be My Lover, when there's that... Uh, still on my own. And he hits thing. the two, two sticks. The drum, two sticks. It's a, uh, Neil Smith is dropping a drum. He drops a drumstick. That's where that little clip is. Aha, it's okay. Not, he, drops, he dropped the drumstick. That's what the story is. And when in the studio, when when Ezrin played this part, which was written by Bruce uh, Michael Bruce, had written this part, this beautiful part. Right. He did this. Sitting quietly in the room, everyone says, "Wow, Bob, that was beautiful." Michael Bruce stood up and said, "Thank you. I wrote it." I walked <laughs> off the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. I, I was so nervous. I fucked up. I, I'm sorry. Ah, I'm like, I you didn't. That it's that's all good. <laughs> I, I just love the fact that you're inviting us into your. What what is this room that that we're recording this podcast in? Is this sort of your? Is this your man cave? Is this your music room? I see. Man cave. That shit. Sorry, I'm I'm not into man cave. Where's the woman cave then? Yeah. Huh? All right. Well, uh, you're talking to a feminist, man. Don't right. forget. I love it. I, I love it. I don't need a man cave. I don't. I don't need to prove my manhood. I love my wife, and she's the most important thing in my life, and my cats. And oh, uh, sweet. That's you're what sweet. I want for my birthday. I want them to be healthy and alive. I want health and and happiness, and that's all I ask for. Material things don't mean that much. I can play something else. <laughs> How about that? I love it. <laughs> yeah, so here, here I, I kind of work here. Uh, As a true feminist, the rest of the house is the woman cave, I guess. You know, just you, you have that, you have that room though, because I see that that's your room in the back. Is that is that is, is there a Michael Monroe uh, cu- cardboard my, cutout my, in the back? Is that? Yes, yes one of them. Yeah, <laughs> I'll show you. Me and myself and I. Hang on. All right, all right. This is actually for those of you that are just listening to this on Spotify or uh, Apple Podcast, you got to make your way over to YouTube because oh, Michael Monroe you. just put a, another right, cardboard six-foot <laughs> version of Michael Monroe uh, up next to him. Back on stage. Right. I had this from the, 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 the um, oh, uh, record label made this, but check this out. Right. The first ever 3D picture disc from that Hanoi Rocks had, we had, you know, oh. you can't see the 3D effect, but this was the first ever... 3D picture disc. That's very that cool, man. Out. Yeah, it was the. I think it was. Don't you ever leave me? And uh, okay, the other side was, wasn't. Uh, it was from the Two Steps from the Move album. This is some somebody else's car. My saxophone is up there. I don't know. I don't know whose car it was, but we uh, we did the session, and this was. Uh, I had the glasses even to sort of tie things together because that musical interlude that you very eloquently played, that was a little bit of uh, Stephen and Michael Bruce's musical interlude to a Bob Ezrin produced Alice Cooper record. But Bob Ezrin also produced two steps from the move. And that's what I'd like, yes. you know, your experience with Bob Ezrin, were, was, did it have something to do because you guys all were Alice Cooper fans choosing oh, Bob Ezrin? Yes, yes. Uh, that was actually Ballard, I mean, Second Coming and Ballard Dwight Fry from the Love It to Death album, which was the second rock album we got in my family when I was a kid wow. uh, after the Led Zeppelin 2. Uh, and 
that was the interlude between I, that was that it must be one of my favorite Alice Cooper songs. You know, those two together, they go together, right? So Bob Esmer, hold on, let me put this back. <laughs> you know what, Dave Rattenberry? Every show should be like this one. Of the co- I don't have enough energy to compete with this every single show, man. This is because I'm, I'm I'm on the edge of my seat, just like you guys are in the chat room. I'm sure, just like hanging on the words, like, okay, what sort of knowledge am I going to get? What sort of story am I going to get? And uh, there it is. Yes, we all know that Mike has to any glasses left. <laughs> <laughs> And that's not a man cave. No, that's a that, that's a definition of a man cave. But it's okay. It's it's, it's a unisex cave, I guess you could have. Um, uh, yes. Oh, sorry. Was there I you go. I hear I hear yes. cops. Is that Finnish cops in the background? Cops. Yeah, yeah. The cops are coming. <laughs> Everybody's a very good friend. You know. Uh, yeah, yeah. The cops are cool here, though. They love me. Good. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> but, uh, well, yeah, the thing was positive guy. Sorry. You're yeah, it's kind of like New York almost, right? A little same bit. Kind of, same kind of siren. <laughs> uh, so uh, in any case, uh, Bob Ezrin for sure, I mean, that was at the time, he was the producer. It was like, I, I thought if he wants to produce this, that'd be amazing because uh, the Love It to Death album, Billion Dollar Babies, Killer, all those albums uh, are amazing, uh, genius. And they had a great relationship with Alice. And when uh, we heard, you know, that Bob was uh, interested in producing us, that was like, I was like, wow, he wants to produce us. And we really needed someone like that there at the time. And we were actually even going to do Under My Wheels. Um, we were planning to get Alice. Bob was trying to get Alice to uh, come sing uh, Under My Wheels with us. We were going to do a version of that. Uh, for a two percent move in in uh, this was in 1984. So did the around the so what so around the bend or up or up 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 around the bend did that come before or after the the slated? That was on the album. Uh, 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 up, the studio, uh, up around the bend was uh, after the album was done. The song two steps from the move never made the album. The the title came from that from a song that was that Esme said that's the sickest song he's ever heard. Even though it's like a rock riff, and so that came off the album, and the record label says, "I don't hear a single, man." Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, how many times have I heard and, that? Uh, yeah, and uh, you know, don't you ever leave me? You know, so they, so we were on tour in uh, in Germany at the time, and Bob was mixing the album, and we did. We, the only cassette we had on in the van was uh, Creedus Clearwater Revival live in uh, uh, live at the uh, Royal Albert Hall. And we figured maybe Bad More Rising, maybe Hey Tonight, uh, maybe Upper on the Band. And then we said, yeah, let's, let's do Upper on the Band. We decided to cover that. Bob flew over to London for one day. And we were at the studio in uh, uh, Camden Town. There was his studio. We, we recorded the song in, in one day and uh, mixed it the next day. And I remember there's that, that middle part when it goes, oh, come on the rise. Everything is singing. Back are, are you guys doing it in the key of C? I'm plugging my stuff <laughs> yeah. yeah. It goes in C. Yeah, it is in C. I got it. Yes. <laughs> I missed Rat Scabies, yeah, but so I got the key know. of the song right. Come on, the rising wind. There's that backing vocal that says, Come on, the rising wind. Yeah. Yeah. So the lower, low, uh, Ezrin sings the lower harmony because Nasty passed out in the studio. <laughs> he was trying to sing it. He was, he was in such bad shape that he was like, come on, the run. All of a sudden, he was like, oh, cold. Done. So Bob Ezrin was singing. That's why you can hear that kind of, come on, the rising wind. <laughs> yeah, I, I said. But so it's good. 
we had a good and then we it modulates to D. So cool modulations, yeah. There's some good modulations yeah, going on there. Genius. And so just the album, he really was. He was the guy. I mean, he would have uh, continued working with us. He was. I, I remember. Whoa! Don't break that. It's all right. It's a Gibson. Is it all right? It'll last. All right. So, so just so, hold on, one yeah, folks. So just so. So those of you that are listening at home and you're going, what the hell is happening? You are getting part two. You're getting part two. You're getting full energy. And this is seriously, I'm drinking water. Uh, Michael's drinking. I don't even think you, I don't think you even drink coffee. You're just always just a positive, you know, influx of energy. But we're talking about rock and roll. And there's a lot of you out there that are wondering, how in the hell does Mike, uh, you know, how does he play this high energy? Is he always like this? I can tell you right now that we are tuned to E standard four. 40 tuning right we're tuned we're tuned to normal tuning and all those old records all those old uh you know those older hanoi records they were tuned at full tuning because you don't like to go down to, to to drop tuning or anything like that right i don't think there's any sense in that unless unless you're black sabbath who tuned down to like c or yes or, or even b you're right i mean they, they have a reason that that was they i think master of reality album they started tuning down and that was like it's worked for their music, but for rock and roll, I stick to the real tuning because I don't think a half a step makes that much difference. There's one song we had on uh, Sensory Overdrive album was a Modern Day Miracle, and Ginger Wildheart suggested we go down to. Uh, it was uh, uh, the riff was like da na na. It was this. Uh, and it was like. It was kind of okay for that, but uh, that was the only song uh, we've ever tuned down to. I don't think it's necessary. And if you want to play a harmonica, I tell you. I'll it's tell harder to do how. when you're tuned down a half step, right? Yeah. No, no, you have to have a harp that's, the, you know, uh, instead of a D, you have a D flat harp. Right. Or A, you have an A, a flat harp. I have one here. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> so if you're going into, you're going like, here we go. Sorry. Half a step down, but you know what happened with Motorhead? This is crazy. I tell you, the worst harp I've ever performed live was when Phil Cow <laughs> Motorhead. One of the last shows they ever did right. was in, uh, in, uh, in in Helsinki at the Hartwell Arena, and uh, Phil Campbell said I should play harp on No Class. Okay, you know, like you know, good idea. So we rehearsed it. I still have actually. I gotta ask Phil if I can release this because we rehearsed it backstage, and my wife filmed it. Uh, with an acoustic guitar, which was tuned to normal tuning because they did uh, the uh, Whorehouse Blues, which they did at the end of the show. That was the regular tuning. So uh, so I said to Phil, I said, look, uh, I, have a, uh, I have a harp at home, which is D flat. I, I should have a D flat. It was an A. The song was an A. And, but in their case, in they A tuned flat down half a step. Because yeah. they tuned down a half a step. So I said, I don't have an, uh, a D flat harp with me. And so he says, oh, no, uh, Lenny has harps in every key. I said, really? He does? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. So then this guy brings me, I said, okay, oh, yeah, bring in the D flat harp. Now, I don't have absolute hearing. I can't really tell the difference by hearing it. So right. I was, I assume, I know one of the old Honer harps that doesn't have any writing. It doesn't say, I'm looking, well, I guess it's D flat. I should have compared it because I had a regular D with me. Oh, okay, it must be D flat because the guitar was, I figured that was tuned to, 
half you know half a step down. It wasn't regular tuning. I not knowing this, unbeknownst to me, we rehearsed and it was gonna be great. So <laughs> by the time the sun comes up, I go up on stage and I'm like, holy I'll step shit. out. I'll step damn, out. It's, it's regular tuning to a uh, D harp and they're playing a half a step down. It was the worst you cannot possibly play it. Damn. And I, I panicked. I was like, I want to feel you can't. <laughs> it was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm Foiled still, again. Still, every time I talk to Phil, he's still almost, almost every time he apologizes to me. Mike, I'm so sorry that happened. But it, I'm not so sorry because that was one of the last shows they ever did. And uh, let me was that was, you know, about a week before he died, actually. Wow. A week or two before it was before Christmas. So, sorry, yeah. uh, I, and I still, I went to do uh, the, the uh, um, uh, Overkill. I went to sing the second second verse of Overkill. I went crazy on stage in the end, so that kind of you know my night better. But I went I went backstage and I took uh, a harp and I said I could play a few notes on that that would fit that tuning somehow, <laughs> somewhat. And I went up to because I there's no way back up anymore. I was already on stage, people seeing me, so I had to go back and sort of try to play on that a harp with a D with an A flat key. It was like. I could play a few notes really poorly. It's the worst, suckiest harp playing I've ever done. I said, Phil, I've never been so mortified in my entire life. God <laughs> damn it. You and your fucking tuning down. Of God. No, so that was what would happen. But tell you what, tell you something cool. You want to see something really cool? Oh, dude, I've, I'm, I'm getting a lot I of cool stuff. Harp. Hold on. Look at this motorhead harp. Is that an op? Can you see that? Is, yeah, is that an official motor? Is that one of Lemmy's uh, harps that he had every, in every key except the key you needed at that no, point? This, well, this is, this is actually the only key he used is D. Uh-huh. Yeah, so the only key uh, I got this from them when they made this motorhead. I, now, what I need is a Michael Monroe harp. Of course you do. If there's any harp Whoever companies out this- there f- listening right now, Michael Monroe should definitely have his own line of harmonicas. I want to stick with the yeah. harmonica. I, let me let me let me uh, okay. Let me stick with the yeah. with the uh, with the harmonica genre because I know that we're sort of going all over the place right now, which I love. You know, I love because I wanted to play one of my favorite yeah, Hanoi like riffs for you. But but well, my my favorite one of my favorite <laughs> Hanoi riffs was this. You know. Used to be always my sound check riff that I'd always used to love to do, and that and and wow, that's cool. You know that song was funny because Russell was singing the the lead uh, in "Me um, She's Me Boiler and a Lover." So because Bob Ezrin loved the the accent, the the, the Cockney accent, and he wanted Russell to Russell speaks uh, in uh, "Don't You Ever Leave Me." He does the first the, this the speech, and I was forcing myself just to walk through the day. Of course, yes, and yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and in uh, uh, "Cutting Corners," he does that. That, that speech is uh, uh, London. Ta- London is born in the rain. So I took a ferry to France and all that. That's Russell's talking, and he actually was so sick with to go back to. He hated being in Toronto. It was so cold. Right. He had to go back. Ezra flew him back to do the his parts because he was he had such a bad cold. But uh, the Boiler song, we're all singing four part harmonies in the studio. We all have our headphones on, and then right. uh, you see in Animal House, the movie when they 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 had the fire extinguisher and they're going. They go, psh, psh. they wake the guys up. <laughs> yeah. Ezrin rushes into the studio. We're all, we're all going like, Ezrin comes in with a fire extinguisher and sprays all of us in, in the foam. We're going, <laughs> all of all of the rest of us go like, ah! The razzle standing there like this. Hello, Bobo. How you doing? Doesn't move a bit. Doesn't, doesn't, he's all covered in foam. Doesn't like, miss a beat. Bobo. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyway, so 
Yeah. What happened with Alice Cooper? Bob, Bob could not Alice Cooper. He couldn't get Alice to come to the studio at the time. Alice was Alice couldn't make it. So therefore, we did not record uh, a version under of my uh, Under My Wheels with Alice. But luckily, at least uh, some years ago, Guns N' Roses did it with, yes. with Alice. And they did uh, Under My Wheels, which I'm glad somebody did it. You know. <laughs> Well, we've done it on stage. I love it, you know. And we we actually yeah, played we a little did, bit of it last time. But what yeah, I wanted to, what I wanted to talk about real quick because one of the comments that came up about maybe a hundred comments ago was there any instruments that Michael Monroe doesn't play? Because you've obviously graced us with the piano today. You played harp. You played a lot of guitar. Did you play um, any guitar on, on any of those Hanoi records? Um, as far as a, acoustic and stuff or did you is that sort of the new the reborn hanoi i want to say the 12 shots on the rocks album i play me and this guy costello play most of the lot of the guitars if not most of it andy plays maybe half of them right he was not he was too tired at the end of the day he was like you had to catch him in the afternoon uh i mean you know early in the day because he started you know too many beers and whatever it was like like, come on man so i gotta tell you i don't know if you heard that song the verse, the Moon Martin. God, by the way, rest in peace, Moon Martin. Of course, there's yeah. another guy who just passed on. Uh, Hot night in Dallas. Uh, bad case of loving you. We covered his song "Bad News" with Hanoi on the Twelve Shots and Rocks album. Okay. And there's a there's a solo in the end there. Well, I can tell you this. I, ah, fuck it. I'm going to tell you this. Tell us the story. Come this. on. Yeah, let's go. I want to hear the story. It's just something that Andy doesn't know, and he still thinks he plays the guitar at the end of that song. But I did it. Wow. Because we had. We had, you know, there's there's a there's a thing that goes with the harp. It says we gotta have it exactly the same, man. Uh, uh, that's the idea was to go, you know, it's it's a cool riff like that, da 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 on a, at the end of the song, and he. Sorry, hang on. Greetings from Peru. You got people watching from Peru, and a couple of titans, a couple of rock and roll titans wow. right now on live in the trenches. Peru. Yeah. Uh, I think. Uh, I think uh, Steven Tyler snorted up the whole Peru in the 70s. He said himself. <laughs> what was left, I think I did in the 90s. So at the end, there's a harp solo. Then I'm going to, using a D harp, going up to a, up to a uh, you know, minor scale. That had to be done with the guitar, too. So Andy was playing and it wasn't really happening. So right. I told the engineer, I said, leave this, leave the, uh, the amp set up. I'll come over tomorrow an hour before we start and, uh, wow. you know, we'll do it. That's I went in and I, there's that, that triplet that I had to even, I had to punch in to do that because, because uh, it's so hard to play even for me, uh, <laughs> as a guitarist, I, I'm not a guitarist anyway. So. So I, uh, you know, I was just worried because it might have been too much for Andy's ego that I played it. So when he came in. Holy shit, what's happening with the guitar? Be safe with that thing. We need it. You need that guitar. We're going to we're going to use that guitar later. I'm trusting me. You give me any gift, you bastard. I told him it's OK now. <laughs> right, so so uh, what happened was, see, that was Andy's revenge. It was a little bit. About this. Yeah. Andy came to the studio. I was like, "Shit! I hope he doesn't realize it's him playing." And he was listening to it, and he, I played, the, you know, I played the riff with the guitar. The whole ending. I was like, "He goes like this." Fuck! I play good. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> but did he know or did he not know? <laughs> he, did, he, had, 
he does not know it until unless he sees this now. Wow. You know, that's the truth, Andy. And yeah. I think it was a better idea. Otherwise, we wouldn't have gotten that part done. You know what, Andy? If you agree with that, Andy, I'll put back on my shades. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it there first. That's the exclusive. That is the exclusive. I mean, I tell it story to friends, but that is the truth. I mean, you know, fact was, I had to play a lot of guitars on that. And uh, I played guitar on uh, the album called uh, Like It Too Dirty. I played all the guitars on that. And uh, right. uh, uh, the peace of mind, I played all the guitars on that because uh, I could. And I was alone in the countryside all by myself. I had no bands. I figured, you know, uh, that was e easier to do it myself. And, uh, I did play every day and uh, playing at um, no, <laughs> no, Michael Who put that comment but, uh, up? I mean, yeah, he just told the story. Yeah, I mean, the truth is, uh, you know, it was too much work, and you know, why drag a guy through a jungle who's going to die when you get there anyway? When you get to your destination, <laughs> who's half dead already anyways? So wow. I mean, you know, who hates you for trying to help you? It's like he resents you because you, you know, you're uh. not as fucked up as he is so i mean that, that was the whole thing i mean so it was too much uh, and so many times I said, do you want to you really want to stop this and it came to a point where it's like i'm telling this because people ask are we going to work together right. like, you're nothing without me at first it was great we got to know each other we we started you know we got reacquainted in a way that we never knew each other in the 80s because right. he had a guard on every, every always and it was and i allowed the situation to get to a point where he did all the writing and stuff he always said oh, i got a better song here so, okay fine I did as much as arranging, and I wrote a lot of lyrics uh, also, which I never got credit for because I didn't care about that. I just wanted the song to be as good as possible. But, you know, Andy's just hurt himself because, you know, uh, Guns N' Roses, I tell you this, another true story. Slash told me that when they made the Spaghetti Incident album, yeah. they included a Hanoi Rock song called Beer and a Cigarette on the album. Okay. They were going to cover that. And imagine the publishing money Andy would have gotten for that. A huge amount of money, a hundred thousand right off the bat would have been kaching, but he was—he had been such a condescending cunt to those guys. He was so, so, uh, so, uh, you know, condescending oh. and being a total asshole to those guys. because they were fans, I heard that uh, Izzy used to follow us on tour, the Two Steps on the Move tour, and Izzy and Axel. I heard they went to even when Andy came moved to L.A. They wanted to, you know, they were fans and they wanted to meet him, and he was such an asshole to them. So when they decided on these songs for the album, they said, fuck, he's such a cunt. He doesn't deserve the money. Slash told me this is the truth. Wow. So imagine, I mean, he's just hurting himself. So yeah. why be an asshole to people? Because, you know, well, well, so you get what you you get what you ask for. So uh, therefore, it's just because I know, especially with Andy, you know, money means a lot to him. But he's, he's burning all his bridges and it just doesn't yeah. make any sense. You know so, what? You, you... Uh, that, that's a we move on from the topic because you know what? I've been through the posturing sessions with Andy McCoy before in my time. Um, the one, the one great piece of advice. Oh yeah. Come on, man. We're talking about him. But the, the one great piece of advice he gave me, thank you very much, B. I just got myself uh, another glass of water. Um, the, the one thing that he uh, taught me was to play with heavier strings back in the day because I was playing with really thin strings and he actually said, hey, you know, and he said it in his condescending ways and what you doing playing with those <laughs> strings? You know, you got to play with 13s. So I, I, I met him halfway and I started, I moved up to like 11s, I believe in 12s at one point. So, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan played uh, with 13s. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, I mean, that's the so thing. Billy Gibbons played with like plays with sevens or eights. Or plays something. with super light strings. I love getting all yeah. these guitar tips, but the really cool mm-hmm. thing is that you get harmonica tips from the most unlikely of people, and that's the story I kind of wanted to get into because that was one of our stories that we talked about before. Who was your yes. most unlikely harmonica teacher? Because you know that Stephen plays, Alice plays, but who was the one that really taught you some good tricks? Well, I already knew how to play the harp, and uh, I figured how to play, uh, how to bend the notes. I, I, learned, I mean, Andy was the one. I mean, I, 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 in many ways, I love Andy. He was, he, I mean, we, you know, we are like brothers. We're the after the future, still the best of enemies, you know, <laughs> or, or worst of friends, worst of friends, worst but, of friends, uh, you know, best of enemies. I love it. Yeah, but there was still a, there's a lot of you know the guy is part of me and part of my life and Hanoi Rocks I'm really proud of, and we had it was really exciting to me to get reacquainted with like I was trying to trying to say that we got to know each other when the rebirth of Hanoi that started in 2001 2002 2001 when my late wife passed away it was a tragedy and, and Andy had fallen off a balcony which was uh, it was a miracle he survived let alone that he can walk the doctor said he can't walk and he was in a wheelchair he worked himself up to uh, the crutches and then. With a stick, and then he's walking today. One of his legs is almost completely made of titanium, wow. titanium or whatever. So, so that the whole friendship was we that for the first time he was, you know, he had no guard on, and we got to know each other in a in a in a different level, and it was great, exciting to see. I had some old ideas. We had that song, um, uh, people like me, which had you know, which was an idea musically, an idea. I'll get to the harp in a minute. I promise. Uh, <laughs> the musical <laughs> musical idea was. Uh, from uh, the 80s. You know, he had a song with uh, the, except the lyrics were, oh baby, oh baby, it's hard to understand the thing between, uh, between a woman and a man. I was, Andy, I can't sing cornball lyrics like that anymore. <laughs> I rewrote that. I says, so jaded, so jaded. Uh, uh, it was like radio and MTV, you need people like me. And that line was from the Scarface, you need people like me so you can put your fucking fingers in. That's the bad guy. You know, that's I right. I love it. Yeah, so, I love uh, that guy. It, it, yeah. It was exciting. To, so we need. It was a necessary phase, and we made the three good albums: Twelve Shots on the Rocks, Another Hostile Takeover, and Street Poetry, which Connie Bloom and AC Christel were in. That was the best lineup for the band. Actually, I love that lineup. That we actually did shows together with yeah. with that lineup and Alice Cooper. I remember we did some. We did some really yeah. good shows together. I think it was one of them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, but then at that point, it started slipping back into that you're nothing without me, and and he was, uh, you know, and I I started getting myself, you know, I was of course uh, after my wife had passed on, I was in a haze for a year or two, or you know, going through a hard time and uh, and and using stimulants and stuff to keep working. I kept working. I want to keep working, you know, right, 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 <laughs> all the right. time. And believe it or not, I'm totally straight now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the thing is that. Uh, uh, um, the uh, that was a necessary phase, and I was willing to do that the rest of my life. I was, I was committed to that, but it became a nightmare after a while. It's just like you know, not only drugs and death and girlfriends break up bands. The thing is, when somebody is not doing getting high anymore, and the other guy is, and there's a resentment, no. that can also cause problems. And uh, it was just hell for me. I just you know, it wasn't fun anymore. So I said to Andy, you know, let's put this to bed. Let's put the band to its final grade with its integrity intact. Do some uh, farewell tours we did uh, tour England Japan and in Finland we did the last last uh, eight shows in six days about two and a half hour shows every day wow. and two days we had two shows in, at the Tavastia Club in, in Finland in Helsinki where we started the band where the band started out and that was 
tell my voice and, and the last show was recorded as it was for Japanese DVD release and you course. never but, you never tuned down in any of those shows always standard tuning never <laughs> never yes no no never tuned down no no that's not for my voice I'll, I gotta be able to make it even though some say that men's voice is lower as you get you know like Leonard Cohen got even lower right. <laughs> during his career but uh, I still I can still sing don't you ever leave me, baby. That's pretty high, you know. But Absolutely. I, when I learned how to sing, how to support my voice with my my friend, my spouse, you know, it's physical. And when I realized singing is physical as performances, as I'm off the air, I mean, up in the air half the time on stage and blowing the harp, playing the saxophone, uh, uh, got to be in good physical shape and it requires that. So that's why I thought it, you know, exercising. That's basically your workout. That's basic because yeah. that was one of the questions that, that uh, uh, one of the, chat room uh, multitude of questions there's been a lot of great questions thank you for asking them but they were um, asking about what is so, sort of a workout regime for you while you're on the road while you're off the road and you just you said straight up it's the show it's the show yeah when you're on tour you do a show every night that's the best exercise to me because uh, you have the motivation you got a show and you're like superman on stage when you get on stage it's kind of like life and death to me it's like you become sort of almost like a like a, a Superman, sort of, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you're, you're on a different level. Uh, it's almost, that's how rock was kind of almost religious, you know. You're in a state of mind and you, the adrenaline's gone, so you don't feel anything. And you kind of like, you could do, you feel it later on at night when you're in bed. It's, oh, whoops, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But uh, really, that's the motivation there because uh, you don't have to kick yourself in the ass. This time when there's no gigs, I really have to get, I, I got to stay under 70 kilos. That's my... My way, I'm 183 centimeters. I don't know what's that, six foot two or something. Absolutely, yeah. But uh, when I'm on tour, I'm between, well, 67 kilos, 65. I've been to, but between 67, if I go over 70 kilos, I'm like, uh, no, no. You're a rail. You're a rail, man. I have to. I have to. to, But I, I exercise at home. I do my. I do do question series. You know, this is that, and your your inner stomach muscles are to me. I started having such back pains, uh, um, you know, about 2007. I had such bad back pains after after gigs that I thought, you know, is this it? And I went to some physiotherapists and they showed me some exercises to strengthen my inner stomach muscles, which support your back because I have my bones have one in, the, you know, my spine. Right. So some of uh, the fourth vertebrae or something in between there. So that means like... Uh, I had to, in a couple of months of doing those certain exercises, concentrated on the inner stomach muscles, I started feeling, okay, well, maybe I have a couple of more 20 years or something left. So, so therefore, <laughs> uh, when you're off the road, you really have to keep, kick yourself in the ass. And I try to exercise five days a week, you know, then take, you know, two days off, then do it again. And, uh, you know, that way, that way I, uh, you know, I got to keep in shape. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's a good curse, curse, you know, in, in, or blessing or whatever. Blessing and a curse because, uh, you know, I have to keep in shape to be able to do what I do for a living. And therefore, hopefully I will live healthy and long, you will. a long life. Well, check this so out, now, Michael. The hard thing. Oh, yeah. But hold on. I just want to say, if you really want to give me a workout, just let's do at least one podcast a week because this is a workout for me. Let me tell you. <laughs> Oh, it's also so Lewis, much fun. Okay. Huey Lewis. Not many people know this. Huey Lewis. Great heart player. Yes. Huey Lewis was, uh, and you know, the, I want to know, I want a, I want a new drug. I like that song. I remember that. I want a new drug. 
Remember, that was a Ghostbusters song. It was ripped off from that. For Ray, Parker Ray Parker Jr. Yeah, yeah. And they even had that horn kind of thing in the middle. And I think Huey Lewis sued him for that, and he won. I think he won like he two million. He actually won it, yeah. 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 So uh, just as a... Huey uh, uh, Lewis was playing a show. Uh, I was in 1989, after the Not Faking It album had come out in Japan, uh, the New Year's Eve, 1989, changing to 1990, Mr. Udo, the, the legendary promoter in Japan, who used to who brought in, you know, Paul McCartney when all that, that weed thing happened and everything, and Led Zeppelin, The Who, and everything. So he organized this concert where uh, the, 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 the lineup was the Japanese band Loudness, or Roudness, <laughs> Loudness, those guys are sweet. Loudness, Michael Monroe, Don Hanley, Brian Adams, and Huey Lewis. That, oh was, the, that was the setup. Uh, Tokyo Dome, 70,000-80,000 people, uh, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. And then we did three more shows. We did Nagoya, Kyoto, and Osaka, uh, except uh, Brian Adams didn't do the rest of the shows. That was just uh, me and uh, uh, Don Henley and, and Hugh Lewis. But Hugh Lewis was watching my show, and he came up to me after the show and says, hey, I like your stuff, because I did a Little Richard medley. I had this Little Richard medley with like seven, at least seven Little Richard songs, like really punky, real fast. <laughs> uh, at that time, I did that at the uh, Whiskey A Go Go too. Was, uh, that was in 1989, you know? Right. So uh, that was really something. I got to find out. I don't know if that's. Uh, I can't find the whiskey. Do you have any of those on tape? Do you have any of that? Do you have that medley somewhere on tape? Yeah, that was released on VHS. There's a Japanese video called Rock Like Fuck, the Whiskey A Go Go. Yeah, live at the Whiskey A Go Go. And we did four nights at the Whiskey, sold out. And the last night they filmed and. That was that's there's a video of that, but I can't find it in the internet. Uh, it, but I did the medley at the Tokyo Dome show, and that I don't know. Uh, I gotta find. I, I haven't had a chance to you know look what, for somebody it. Yet. In might, chat, somebody in the chat, somebody in the chat has to have a copy of it. So Huey Lewis is checking so, you guys you know, out. He saw that I played the harmonica, and he actually he was in a band called Clover in the '60s. Yeah. Who uh, they were touring America in the '60s. And he was the harp player in the band. He wasn't the singer, he was the harp player. So he saw that I played the harp, and he, he said, I can give you some tips. And, and my, my late wife even filmed this on, on the camera back then. I, I have the tape somewhere. I don't know if it, uh, it, uh, it I don't think the camera works anymore. But we were, he, he, she even recorded this on a video of 20 minutes, about 15, 20 minutes. He showed me some pointers. He said he had all the harps. He, he was using the Lee Oscar harps, which I don't care for much. I use uh, uh, mainly uh, the older uh, melodies or. Yeah. Or you know, go to melody, go to melody are my favorites because they they kind of doesn't Honer make uh, kinda, harps as well? Honer, the company. Yeah, they Honer. Yeah, Honer does the main best harps I have, and most people have the Honer. I have Suzuki is great too. It's Manji, and they they have this fabulous. Look at this. This is metal. All the inside and out. This is metal. See all right here. What are most harmonicas See, made out of? Is it some sort of wood? Two pieces uh, yeah, of they used to be wood, but now they they have the plastic on the inside. It's like plastic kind of so because the wood you get the, the wood lives. It gets swollen and stuff, and it, and it and it get, gets out, goes out of tune. This is uh, a golden melody harp, which uh, so, looks like a fifties car kind. So, Michael, on a yeah. side note, do you know who gave Clover uh, Huey Lewis's band Clover? You know who gave him their big break? That was who? That would have been. Um, my God! Now I'm gonna uh, fill a knot. Fill a knot. Yeah, was, I was just gonna get that. Too. Okay, go ahead. Phil Lynott's first solo album has a song called "Ode to a Black Man," 
and it was like the harp on that song. And that is a killer solo. That's amazing. Uh, check out that song, uh, Phil Linnett, uh, Linnet, however. How do you say that? Your Americans say Linnett and the English I say Linnett? I think Linnet. it's a Phil Linnett, I say, but maybe, I know, Linnet. somewhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, Anyways, he was a hero. And his song, King's Call, about Elvis, you know, King's Call. That is one of my, yeah, with Mark, Lott, Mark Knopfler on guitar. Have you heard that? No, I have not. Check that out, man. All right, all right. Check out Phil, Phil Linnett, Linnett and uh, uh, King's Call, about Elvis is dead. An amazing song. And Mark Longfellow plays the guitar. Brian Downey on drums, and him, him playing also playing rhythm guitar. So, anyways, Hugh Lewis, I wanted to show me some pointers on the harmonica. And he noticed I could play, bend the notes by sucking, which I thought, no. When you when you suck, they go. Like, when you suck in, yeah. you kind of bend the notes like this way. Oh, hang on. So, so I thought you can only do that by sucking in. I'm sucking in, but then right. you can also do it by blowing. Like now, I'm blowing now. Then, I didn't know you could blow and, and bend the notes. He taught me how to do that. I said, "Wow!" I said, "Yeah, you can find any note in any in the harp. Actually, you can find any note." Which I tried at that Motorhead show. <laughs> <laughs> you tried every trick at that Motorhead show. It sounds like. <laughs> it was great. So no. You go, you give your tongue. You go like, you know, it's hard to explain, but it's like. So, so Thin Lizzy helps out. Thin Lizzy helps out Huey Lewis. You know, Huey Lewis helps out Michael Monroe. Michael Monroe, you're helping out the entire future of rock and roll with all these multi instruments right now. What what would be the easiest instrument to learn out of all the instruments that you know how to learn? Who, what, what would it be that you would tell people to learn? Like, you know, would you say sax? Would you say harmonica? Would you say just sing? Or would it be guitar? Well, I, uh, I mostly play, uh, <clears throat> I, I play, um, you got piano too. Yeah. I say I guitar probably I use mostly for, uh, for, a, for a, um, you know, uh, for writing songs and stuff. I took piano lessons when I was about five. My mother made me. And then when I discovered rock and roll, I was into classical music at first. But then I discovered rock and roll and Black Sabbath. I figured I could play down, down, down. Yeah, <laughs> I, I want to learn more. I wanted to learn more piano. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, and, and Hugh Lewis, when I learned to... It was so cool because because uh, that way he, he I, I improved my harp playing, but he also I was wondering why he played Boys Are Back in Town set in 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 Japan. He was playing Boys Are Back in Town, and uh, then I realized they were good friends with Phil Lin- Phil Linnett, uh-huh. and uh, therefore so uh, Phil Linnett's solo album. Uh, I mean, all that. Uh, uh, ah, Dave Dave the Rat is asking a question. Yeah, somebody asked somebody before how many hours do I sleep at night? You know. Uh, I was just I wake up every couple of hours and then I try to go back uh, go back to sleep. I keep waking up at night, but uh, I hardly ever sleep solidly. I sleep maybe five hours solid. I'm like, wow, great. I'm not you shocked. Know, so, <laughs> For some reason, I'm not surprised. <laughs> but I, think, I think a guitar is a good one to learn first. You know, guitar is good. And uh, 
piano. You know, do, do you have a number one instrument besides the gu- acoustic guitar that you've dropped like three times during this podcast? Do you? It would be harp. Okay, great. Harp's my favorite because you can carry it with you and uh, you can take it, you know, anywhere. And uh, once you learn to play it, it's you know, it's it adds a lot of color to uh, to any song anywhere where you can uh, sort of. Uh, if you you know have a little sax on a song or two on an album and a little harp because everybody wants to play the guitar the guitar solo yeah. uh, how many how many guitar players does it take to change the light bulb ten one to do the job and nine to sit around and say I can do that better <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one I'll be using that as well um, but I, I, I also will be looking for the Michael Monroe uh, harmonica line because at one point we get that has to happen. It has to be a custom line of Michael Monroe harmonicas. Yeah. That'd be yeah, cool. Saxophone. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm not kidding. Well, I know. A couple times, folks, those of you, Michael Monroe's got a birthday coming up in just uh, in just a few days. You, I, I, I know that he's not into uh, material things so much, but he might need a new guitar, folks. Guitars are different. <laughs> I actually I have a my 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 sax I have a nice I have two red saxes, and, uh, and the thing is, uh, the sax that I have I have a Selmer from that that I used in the Hanoi days, which I play the million miles away solo and stuff. That is uh, actually a Selmer from 1939. It's a really rare one, a silver. I found it when somebody ripped off my. I had a Selmer. Alto. I used to play alto at first, and uh, what is alto, the one that you have? Is the one that the one that you play now a tenor saxophone? It's a tenor one. Okay. If you give me a yeah. minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. Yeah. It's this guys. We are going so deep down the Michael Monroe instrument rabbit hole at this point. He showed you his piano, his guitar, his harps, and I, now I think we're about ready to see an, an official Michael Monroe saxophone. And this might have been the one that's been on um, a many of an album, but we shall see. We are going to wrap it up in just a little bit, folks, because, like I said, this has been an amazing part two of live in the trenches. If this is your first time checking it out, hit that subscribe button and uh, you'll get more and more uh, notifications to check out all of these. If this is your first time checking out part two of the Michael Monroe live in the trenches, you got to go back and check out uh, part one now as well, because I think we're headed for a part three, if I'm not mistaken. There's a lot of uh, requests on the chat board. You guys have been amazing all day, hanging out, um, putting in your post, putting in your comments, Obviously, I haven't been able to get a lot of words in, Edwidge. It doesn't matter, though, because the stories have been worth it all. They're golden. And what do you got? You got the saxophone out now? Is that the red one? Oh, boy. Is that the red sax, Michael? Yeah. Ain't that a little honey? Oh, my God. Say hello to my little friend. Ain't that beautiful? Ain't that a little honey? Hold on. Let me me see if I got that that sample right now. Hold on. Say hello to my little friend. How is that? Now that's as good as All Vic right. can get. That's our producer taking credit for getting that. How did he get that sample? Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, man. I love it. That was fantastic. That's I love funny. that movie. It's so great. It's such, such classic. Yeah, say hello to my little friend. I mean, so you what? know what was the slash told me? The Guns N' Roses' favorite line from that movie was, hello. And it says, this is Marta. Marta, hello. <laughs> oh, hang on. Here we go, sax time, baby. I love it. 
I dare any podcast to uh, put say that they have as much live music as we have done today. This has been amazing. Michael, thank you so much for letting us in. I think, like, I, I, I undersold it. I undersold it. I, I, I didn't overhype it. I said, you know the legend. Now you're going to get to know the man. You've gotten to know the man a bit more with all of his instruments, too, man. It's been, it's been great, Michael. I really appreciate it. And people are... People are demanding a part three. Can we bring you back hey, sometime? Hey. Yes, we can. And and you know, just to just to get the uh, to wrap up my career in in, in in America was how it turned out after not faking it album. Can I just? Do we have two more minutes? Of course, Five. man. We yes, yes, we have as long as you need. Thank you, thank you. Because okay, great. Because now what we were trying to talk about was the they have uh, the the not faking it album, which was on its way to sell, could have sold millions if it, if it was. Uh, if, if it had been, uh, you know, taken care of properly. But what they did was they made this commercial on, on TV, which was on every headbanger's ball. They showed this commercial saying, Michael Monroe, the, he's back. Uh, he's not faking it. The real thing, the brains behind Hanoi Rocks. And I was like, what? Hanoi Rocks had no brain. That was the coolest <laughs> thing about the band. So it was like, that was spontaneous. Therefore, to me, it was it was important to people, you know. So I said, "That's misrepresentative." So I called the label. I said, "Look, you know, why do you say this? Uh, why don't you show me this commercial? Because uh, it's bullshit, you know." Hanoi was spontaneous. I didn't want. I thought, you know, if I get famous, I want people to know that Hanoi was for real. It was no 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 uh, phony bullshit. So they said, "Okay, you don't like the commercial? You want us to pull it?" I said, "Yes." So I thought they were going to make a new one, but they didn't. They said, "When you're they pulled the entire entire album. (laughs) They pulled the plug on the whole album, and uh, they let it die. And when uh, you know, they said, when you sell as many records as Bon Jovi, like a million, then you can make demands like that. So I figured, okay, I'll be more of a rarity and uh, not be as famous. Maybe that's okay. I'd rather have my my uh, integrity intact and uh, be presented the right way, the right way or no way at all. So I figured, okay." But therefore, that that whole project, the Juice and Slim project, came after that because it looked good on paper. Like I said, the guy right, right. the part, and uh, even though we had to go through, <laughs> had to go through lawyers and having meetings, uh, fucking. Uh, you had some good vacations. Just finished. think about the vacations, all right, Michael? Say, I like Steve. He was a nice guy. He's a very. We had great times. He's great knowledge in music. Brilliant guitar player, and uh, it was just the money thing that ruined everything. Uh, you know, I have that. And, I've had experiences like that myself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the album was done. Uh, we were, I was 700,000 more in a hole with my label because it was my deal. And before, and not taking an album since they pulled a plug on that, I ended up, I was already like two, almost 300,000 in a hole. So I owed that label a million after those two <laughs> projects in the end. And but- I had to get off the label. So therefore, I waited over a year till they dropped me. And my lawyer called me one day and says, Michael, they dropped you. I says, oh, that's too bad. I was like, yippee, yippee. <laughs> I called little Stephen. I says, Stephen, you know, yeah. they dropped me. He says, isn't it great? He says, now we can make the album I always wanted. Because they wouldn't allow little Stephen to produce. Michael Wagner came to produce, which was a mistake. Because with Steve, he needs very little encouragement to go all the way to this two hands on the neck, doodly do pigeon farming, like Sammy Alpha calls it, pigeon farming. <laughs> you know, so, and so, uh, so then finally we made this. Me and little Steven, I mean, 
We made this album in two weeks, Demolition 23. It all comes we back. The music, we, re, we recorded the music in three days. I did the vocals in two days. Little Steven produced, you know, it was easy. It was great because he knew he was. And, you know, the drum, the snare sound, Jimmy Clark, <clears throat> finally, the drummer Jimmy Clark was fantastic. Jay Henning, a genius, brilliant guitar player. He would yeah. have been a superstar. Unfortunately, he took his own life yeah. uh, in later years. I know but, Jay. Uh, I know, know Jay from Star. One. I know Jay from the band Star Star that you actually yeah, were Star, in. Star. Of I course. a lot of the videos. Exactly. And you know what? You know what? He knew the first Alice Cooper albums, the first Prettiest for You and Easy Action. He even knew those albums, note for note, every wow. fucking song. Oh, this, he's good yeah, in your amazing. book. Yeah. Uh, yes, he was. And so, uh, so uh, uh, what happened, for example, for the drum sound, it was great because the Jimmy Clark, he busted the snare skin. It was broken. He says, uh, before the next take, he said, Stephen, wait a minute. i got to change my snare skin. Stephen says, don't do anything. Don't touch it. It's great. So he, <laughs> we recorded the whole album with the broken snare skin. And wow. as I said, you know, I had Stephen there. I did two takes of the vocals. He says, okay, that's it. Next. So we recorded the music in five days, three days for music, two days for vocals, 10 songs. Mixed a song per day. In two weeks, the album was done. It's still one of the best records I've ever made. All right. So that, that, was, that was the best thing that happened. Yeah, but unfortunately, we had no big label, and uh, and then I had problems with guitar players. Jay uh, got arrested, and he couldn't leave leave America. He couldn't go to Europe. He couldn't get a passport, and uh, therefore, Nasty Suicide replaced him for a while. But then Nasty wanted to leave because he wanted to play, stop playing guitar, and all this stuff happened. And finally, I, I got in the end of the day, the band just it it you know uh, uh, got got destroyed, and I I was really depressed because I that was a great new start for me, and then it didn't go the way I was hoping, and. All of a sudden, I was, you know, I had no band, I had no nothing, and I, I decided oh. to move out of out of America and uh, uh, moved to Finland in '96. And uh, then I made the Peace of Mind album and the Life Get You Dirty album, which I'm, by the way, going to remix and put out because it has a lot of good songs, but the mixes aren't that great uh, <laughs> in the future. So, and then uh, we had the rebirth of Hanoi from 2000, the decade of 2000. We finished right. that in like 2009. And uh, when I finally said to Andy, like I said, that, uh, okay, let's stop this. It's no fun anymore. He agreed. So we put the band to bed with its integrity intact. And I, I happened to meet with Sammy Alpha in, 19, in 2009. He was playing with the New York Dolls. Right. I was already working on some songs with, uh, with Ginger Wildheart. And, uh, and uh, Sammy came to my city where I live now, Turku. I, I, I was born and grew up in Helsinki, but I live in Turku. I live here now 20 years. So Sammy was here in 2009 in summer playing with the New York Dolls, and Steve Conte was the guitar player there too. So Your current uh, guitar came player. To me and said, yeah, Steve Conte played guitar with the new New York Dolls, the rebirth. rebirth, rebirth. Okay. They had a rebirth also. It's funny because we opened for them. I got to tell you this too. It was funny. We played Sweden Rock with them. And, and Two minutes, Finland right? Rock and I said, <laughs> Sammy, Monroe minutes can last an hour. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no, no. It's a quote okay, from so someone. Sammy said, I, said, I said to Sammy, because they had all, two original members, Sylvain Sylvain and jo- David Johansson, and me and Andy were the only original members of Hanoi. I said to Sammy, how can you call yourself the New York Dolls? You only got two original members. He <laughs> was like, what? Oh. Oops, never mind. <laughs> anyway, so, <laughs> yeah, so Sammy came to me in 2009 when they played with the Dolls. I went. They asked me to jam with them. I played the sax, uh, personality crisis, and we did Hey Bo Diddley. I went to jam with them, uh, and then Sammy said he'd like to work with me. I says, oh, it just so happens. I'm restarting my solo career. So 2009, that summer, we started work putting this band together, which we started officially in 2010, exactly 10 years ago. And that's the same band I have together now, which Steve Conte came on guitar, and uh, 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 Carl Fist on drums, now Rich Jones on guitar, from, from Ginger Wildhead to Dragon to Rich Jones, which now is the best lineup, and Sammy Afan bass. I have the same band now for 10 years, and the best band I could hope for 
and I'm doing better records, according to most people, better records than ever. So what could be better in life? And it all comes back to one man gang, right? Yes. Exactly, one man gang. That's Dude, the just like we started, just like we started the podcast way back when. There's the album, folks. Yeah. I know there's a lot of homework that you guys have to do. You need to go check out uh, Bette uh, Davis F U N K. That yeah. was my first one, and then obviously yes. the Demolition Twenty Three album. But first and foremost, yes, and all those those songs, one man gang, and the last change is okay. Junk Planet has great lyrics, very timely. Yes, go ahead. Man, no. At the end of the day. Everyone's got to go check out One Man Gang. We haven't even had a chance to put up Michael's social media information because it's been going nonstop since we started. But there it is right on the screen. If you're Again, if you're listening to it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or whatever, I need you guys to come on to uh, YouTube official, subscribe to the channel because you'll get more shows like this. Um, obviously, there's going to have to be a part three at one point, but go check out Michael Monroe's uh official Instagram and Michael Monroe official at Michael Monroe on Twitter and Michael Monroe on Facebook. Hey, Michael, um, again, a complete pleasure having you on. It's always great to have you on the show because I don't have to talk all that much. You do all that heavy lifting for me. And uh, the crowd is thoroughly entertained. The chat room has been uh, it's been buzzing ever since the beginning of the show. I, I probably busted my fucking guitar for this shit, Oh, man. man. It's Michael's <laughs> no, birthday in just a couple days. So, folks, if you, anyone wants to get Michael something real nice, he will accept guitars. He does enjoy his health. He enjoys his happiness. But guitars are always welcome as well. Uh, Michael, anything else that you want to say to the good people in the chat room and everywhere else say, listening to the podcast? I want to say to everybody, thank you ever so much. Thank you for your uh, support. And uh, I truly appreciate all you fans and friends out there. Without you, I would have no career. So, <laughs> So that's why... Thank you so much for your support, all your comments and everything. That means the world to me. And so happy that we are connecting. Yeah. And let's let's try and stay, keep it together in this crazy stage. Look, I even made my own one-man gang mask. Look, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> you did. You were showing that to me. And you know what? Yeah, I made that's a one-of-a-kind. Of <laughs> you can't buy those. You can't get, you know, that's a one-of-a-kind Michael you Monroe original. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Go ahead, yeah. Well, so, hey, yeah, Michael. So, uh, Hang on the line real quick. Um, thanks again for, for hanging out with us, everybody that's been listening to the live stream in the trenches podcast. Uh, I've been your host, Ryan Roxy, but uh, guess what? The man, the myth, you've met the legend, but now you got to actually hang out with the dude and all his instruments. Thank you very much, Michael Monroe, for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It was great. Let's do this again sometime. But we will and, definitely. Uh, Stay away from everything I used to do and uh, be careless, everybody. <laughs> no, be careful and uh, stay healthy and well and uh, all that stuff. But uh, yeah, and you know, I love that. I got to say that Alice Cooper song, uh, my favorite part is that guitar song. That, whoop, whoop, and that, um, <laughs> that, that guitar part, it sounds like the old albums. Well, it's, yeah, a little bit of a mistake. It's a little bit of a mistake. I knew it was. I figured it was. Some of the best things are mistakes like that. Always. So that was fantastic. I love that stuff. That's really cool. There was one instrument I wanted to show you, but I lost it. Oh, what is it? Oh, save it for part three then. All right. Save the one more instrument for part three. We'll come on. We'll reconvene. All right. So we got something to look forward to. Good one. Hey, have a great one, folks. And 
Michael Monroe. Go check out all the things that are Michael Monroe. And thanks for supporting the In the Trenches podcast. Thank you, Vic, for being a, the amazing producer you are. Uh, hang, hang out, Michael. And, and everyone out there in the chat, until next time, everyone out there listening, enjoy the ride. In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello.